Richard Cluche in for Ben. Thank you for being with us this Friday evening as we head towards a Saturday. I hope you're well wherever you are, this beautiful country of ours that somehow I feel has been tainted. And it's the Hockey Canada scandal. And the government today as well has suspended funding for Gymnastics Canada. In a moment, a very good guest, no, a great guest from the University of Guelph. First, some background. Gymnastics Canada is joining Hockey Canada in having its funding frozen by Ottawa. The federal sport minister says she told Jim Can's CEO that this would happen the organization did not join the Sport Integrity Commissioner's Office. The Minister's Office noting these conversations took place before a group of more than 500 gymnasts released an open letter Thursday criticizing the sports body and the minister. She made a comment about having uh, to make room for us. You should be listening to us. Those We are the people that should be sitting at the table with you. Abby Spatafora is one of those gymnasts. Her group, Gymnasts for Change, is calling out a lack of action around alleged sexual assaults, physical assaults, and abuse. The Prime Minister says sports organizations are responsible for ensuring athlete safety. They shouldn't be worried about satisfying the government. They should be worried about satisfying parents across the country. This comes as Hockey Canada deals with a new allegation of a group sexual assault, this one involving the 2003 World Junior Team. The organization says it was first notified of the claims by TSN Thursday. Halifax police are now investigating. And on Friday, London police reopened a criminal investigation into the allegations made against the 2018 World Junior Team. One expert says there is a sports culture shift taking place in Canada. It's not going to go away silently and quietly. Um, It's not going to be distinct to specific sports. It is across the sports system. Groups aimed at tackling violence and abuse say while these are positive steps, organizations need to be proactive. We need to make sure that there are um, structures within these systems, within these organizations, built into these organizations, so that there is accountability. In a statement, Gymnastics Canada says it agrees with Gymnasts for Change that a safe and welcoming environment for participants is of paramount importance and that athlete welfare is integral to its beliefs. It noted once the agreement between the Sport Dispute Resolution Centre of Canada and national sports organizations is met, Jim Can will sign on. Kyle Benning, Global News. Richard in for Ben and Pegararo is the Lang Chair in Sport Management at the University of Guelph. Thank you so very much for taking time to join us this Friday evening. Oh, thanks for having me on. This is one of those situations where I'm thinking about ripping the Band-Aid off, about getting rid of non-disclosure agreements, about really exposing the power relationship. It's not just about, you know, coaches and players. It's now about the hockey code in so many areas and sport in general. So let me ask you a general question and we can get specific. What are your thoughts and feelings about what has been occurring over the last several days, but really the last several years now. And we can begin with, with, with hockey here and the culture of, of that sport. Well, I think what we're seeing is that, uh, you know, we as Canadians really love our sport. I think it's a, a part of the fabric of our society. And I think we're watching it rip in front of us right now. And 
uh, I think it's hard. Uh, those of us who've been in this world for a while probably, you know, we all know this exists. Um, and, but the magnitude, I think, is going to be shocking for most uh, Canadians, as, as I don't think we're done hearing the stories. No. And I think very much like what we're seeing um, in other areas where we're finally coming to grips with history, uh, this is going to hit us hard when we start to expose that the code, if you will. So how do we go about this in a judicial way that we get it right? Well, boy, if I had to answer that question. Uh, yeah, I know. Right now. I know. I know. But, 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 yeah. well, but before we get to the solution, then maybe we need to talk about the problem here. What is the problem? Because, it, you know, what allows this to happen? Many would argue the structure in the people at Hockey Canada allows this to happen. Um, many organizations that when faced with a lawsuit, lawsuit or lawsuits will protect the player, will try to mitigate the impact. What I'm hearing here from coast to coast to coast is a lot of people saying, we have to start exposing this because we have to get to the truth. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think what you're seeing is, is you know, there's a couple of factors in, in, in the system that make this happen. First, you know, early on, you talked about the power relationships, right? And how, how we see power exhibited in both, you know, coaches and players. But now we're seeing it actually in Hockey Canada in the structure of the organization itself. And this, real big pressing need to protect the organization and, and the, you know, its, its role in hockey in Canada. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, I see that the power relationships, one of it, I think the, the way that sports is structured in Canada in terms of its funding, you know, we have to win medals and be successful to get money. Uh, Own the Podium provides money to organizations based on winning and decisions to, um, to pursue winning is how you get your money. So I think a lot of times that lets us, um, maybe ignore something that's happening or turn our head or not think it's so bad. And, and then the abuse inside the organization start to, to and continue to go. And then, you know, if I would say this about hockey in particular in our sports, we don't have a lot of diverse people at the decision-making tables in hockey. It's pretty much, um, when you look around the room, it's people who've grown up in the culture. It's primarily men, and it's primarily men who are white. And so we don't get diverse uh, opinions when when people are looking to make decisions and uh, you know I talk to my students about this all the time group think happens really quickly nobody wants to be the person in the room that says maybe we should stop this isn't a great idea and decisions get made so are we still stuck in the 1950s 60s and 1970s in many respects I think in some of our sport organizations we are I mean I think we're a pretty insular uh, system we don't have a lot of people come into Canadian uh, amateur sports system from outside they they kind of move around between organizations and I think that perpetuates a certain culture and a certain sort of um, I guess lens on on decision making for sure you know I, the conversations I've had over the last few days with people they've all kind of brought up not specifically Don Cherry but the Don Cherry approach to this is that there is the hockey code there is that code there is that um, that silence that seems to permeate dressing rooms and allow stuff to happen but doesn't expose it. So I, I wonder how we begin to rip that Band-Aid or peel the onion, whatever expression you want to use here, um, 
Does it begin at you know those parliamentary hearings? How does this get get exposed? Because it it, it seems to me that with all the cases we've had going back to Graham James, you know, it takes a criminal investigation, a prosecution. And then I thought after that would happen that there would be, yes, there's courses. Yes, there's more awareness, but there's forms of what happened there that have continued. Um, I, I guess I'm asking some pretty desperate questions this Friday night, hoping that somebody will have some answers, Anne. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're you're not wrong. I think if you look at the way the system has unfolded the last uh, several decades, we perpetuate the same problems. We we say we're 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 cleaning them up, so we have a lot of words we've used, and I think we saw a lot of different words from Hockey Canada in the last two weeks, but not a lot of concrete action. I'd like to think that the new independent sport integrity office um, has a role to play here. It's only been open three, four weeks. We have to give it a chance to work. Um, But that's the idea that, you know, if something happens inside my sport, I don't have to report it in that sport. I can go to this independent mechanism and make my claim and make my um, uh, case because what's happened in the past is is the, the, the ways to report this were all internal in the same organization very easy for that organization to to hide it, to not deal with it, um, to say they've dealt with it. Uh, you know, we saw that in other sports. I think if, you, if you've been following this for a couple of months, look at bobsled and, and skeleton. Kaylee Humphreys mm-hmm. made some claims. They didn't take it, take her seriously, or they pushed it away and said, you know, she was the problem. And what happens like a year and a half later, we have 50 plus athletes or 80 athletes signing a letter saying, you know, our work culture as an athlete here is toxic and dangerous. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that, the, that this is a concrete step, but um, you're kind of right, Richard. We've been talking about this a lot, and we haven't seen a lot of real good action to make change. Let's pick up on that after the break. Uh, with us from the University of Guelph is Anne um, Pegarero. I'm Richard Cluche in for Ben. If you would like to weigh in on this, you can text me right now at 877-399-9898. Richard Cluche in for Ben. and Pagarero is the Lang Chair in Sport Management at University of Guelph. We're talking about hockey culture and the fact now that we have two world junior hockey clubs. 2003, 2018, there's criminal investigations being opened in Halifax and reopened in London, Ontario. Uh, let's talk about the the new office, the Office of Sport Integrity in a moment out of Ottawa. But, Professor, let's also talk about the conversations that we should be having with our children this weekend, our young boys, about the dressing room and behavior, etc. Because I do not see registration going down as a result of this. I don't see people abandoning hockey here. Um, in fact, I do see and and hear, you know, the split that, you know, you're overblowing it, that um, these folks are innocent until proven guilty, that quit picking on the sport. There's still, you know, that attitude out there. Um, you know, protect the logo, if you will. But if we're to be true to our words and be the parents that we should be, what are the types of conversations that we need to start having with our children? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as Canadians, we, we live and breathe this sport. It's it's who we think we are and our identity. And, and so I think parents are often, you know, uh, pursuing a dream of, of their son playing in the highest leagues or playing for the country. And so they're they're kind of, you know, willing to pursue that at all costs. And I, I think that's where we need to stop and take a minute and say, you know, the, this culture that we've we've got around winning allows us to turn our heads around the behavior we're seeing. And it starts young, right? We're seeing it in young kids. And, you know, there's um, uh, stories coming out about, about kids at, at tournaments that start um, uh, these prizes for the best person in, on the team. And then they're using inappropriate objects for, for giving out prizes or, or cultural icons that they shouldn't be using in the way they are. And so, we, but parents are at all these tournaments. And the, the whole idea of this boys will be boys, I think, is something we have to revisit because, um, you know, if you think about it, when we were kids, um, you know, they always used to tell us as girls that, uh, oh, you know, to give the boys some time because girls mature faster. you got to get them some time. When is anyone ever said to the boys, like, hey, look at the girls, <laughs> you know, they're kind of mature and they're not doing this stuff. Um, and I think that's, a, that's a, like it's a society thing, right? It, even outside sports. So we need to have that conversation. We need to say that we need to respect all people, that uh, playing a sport doesn't mean the rules that you live by every other day get suspended when you walk into that dressing room or you get on the ice. Um, and that seems to be what we've been allowing to happen in this sport. Does it help that we're starting to make inroads as far as diversity in the game and I'm thinking of people of, of color. I'm thinking as well as um, as non-male coaches as well. Is that going to help? I think any sort of diversity increase is going to help hockey. I mean, I, you know, and again, it's, it's having different... Uh, pe- different uh, experiences around uh, the rink, you know, we different approaches to the game um, and individuals who maybe will not have that, um, uh, I guess, same acceptance of what, what you refer to as the code that want to break that code because the code wasn't kind to them either as a woman or as a person um, of racial background or, or, or uh, of color. So if they've been through it from their side, they're probably going to be much more attuned to it and also wanting to make that change. So the more diverse people we have, in the rinks and, and around these um, teams as they form as young people, I think we're going to start to see some change. Let's talk about the office of the Sport Integrity Commissioner here and the opportunity that we have to start righting the wrongs. Yeah, I think it's, you know, two things. I think the establishment of that office um, and then this the steps by the, the sport minister to freeze the funding are kind of two unprecedented things in our system we haven't seen yet. Um, so we've seen now a minister willing to invest in making change by putting money into this office, and then secondly, willing to, you know, use the wallet in the other direction and hold uh, in organizations accountable. So I think those two things together are, are interesting um, additions to our sports system that, you know, will hopefully have that ripple effect of change. Having an independent reporting mechanism for individuals in the systems, athletes, coaches, administrators who've been harassed. Um, assaulted, uh, treated poorly, live in or work in toxic environments is going to be extremely important. Um, and, and maintaining the integrity of that reporting process will be key as we go forward. How important is it, and we're seeing this in other sports, uh, of people that were marginalized only months and years ago being listened to, that those that may be in positions of power 
those who may be making millions of dollars playing hockey or have just retired from hockey, that they come forward and be heard? You know, anybody who has had reached some stature in this game and who has influence is going to make a huge difference if they come forward as a positive voice for change. You know, we look up to these these heroes. We look up to people who've been in this sport um, ahead of us, and those are the individuals that, that can help make change. I, I, you know, I've had the, the, the distinct honor of sitting on a panel before with Hakeem Alou and listening to him and his experiences and what he's doing um, outside the game. And, and it's individuals like that that are going to actually start to change the culture because young kids look up to them. And I appreciate the conversation. Thank you so very much for joining us. Well, thanks for having this conversation. It's an important one.